Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. My focus scripture this morning, y'all, we're going to focus on Acts chapter 2, and I want to really focus on 4247. This is where the community is built. But before I dig into that, you have to know what happens before that, right? You've got to know. So here we are, chapter 1. Go into this room, and I'm going to send my advocate, and when he comes, you know, you'll know what to do next, right? So 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 here's what happens. There's a huge festival going on. This is how powerful God is. He knows when he's going to do, what he's going to do, how he's going to do it. The timing is perfect. There's a huge festival going on. It's one of the the second one of three major festivals that happens. So so the first one that happens was Passover. Fifty days later, there's this other festival called Pentecost, okay, which which literally means 50. And so 50 days after Passover, uh, uh, there's this huge festival, the festival of wheat, where Jews from all over the place, displaced Jews that, 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 that were kind of exiled and pushed away and decided to settle in the land that they moved to, all of these Jews from all over the world, all nations speaking different tongues, all decided to come back to be a part of this very important festival. Isn't God's time imperfect? He could have he sent the Holy Spirit the day before Pentecost. Y'all do know that, right? He, he could have waited till after Pentecost when everybody was gone. But no, his timing is so perfect. He says, I'm going to wait because everybody and their mama and their cousin and granddaddy and them, they all are going to be here. So I'm going to send the Holy Spirit during this time. And, and, and then watch what happens. So Pentecost, everybody's in town. Holy Spirit comes on them. Some, some miraculous things that happen. You know what I mean? I mean, there's, 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 there's wind, there's sound, there's a boom. Everything's going on. It's like, whoa, what's going on? And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles. And then, uh, y'all remember this guy, Peter, right? The one who, who wouldn't speak up for Jesus at, at the time. He denied him, actually. He's like, I don't know him. Mm-mm. That wasn't me. That dude looked like me, but that wasn't me that you saw hanging out with that guy. Y'all remember that dude, Peter? So this is what happened with Peter. Holy Spirit comes upon Peter. Peter got up there, stuck his chest out, started quoting from the book of Joel, speaking about the prophecies and stuff, talking about all of the things that were supposed to happen, explaining miracles. And watch what happens. The Holy Spirit is so powerful that, that the Holy Spirit begins to allow them to speak in languages that every single person knows. So Jews that came from other parts of the world that spoke different languages, listen, the apostles were able to speak that, and these other Jews were amazed, like, whoa, 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 how do you know my language? That, y'all, y'all let that go over your head, so let me explain it. If I dropped you off today, some of y'all who don't speak, let's see, uh, uh, Tagalog. Anybody here speak Tagalog? That's Philippine language. God, I knew, I knew you were going to do that, Miss Davis. I figured you'd do that. Besides Miss Davis, anybody in here speak fluent Tagalog? 
No. So if I dropped you off in the Philippines do you, and, 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 and in an area where everybody only speaks Tagalog, do you think you can survive? No, you don't know the language. You'd be kind of trying to do that thing that all the people in the native land hates when you do this speaking slow. Can you tell me where to go? Do you speak a us English? And you'd probably get slapped. But here's what happens. Imagine if we did drop you there. You never practice. You never even know what hello means in Tagalog. And all of a sudden, you're able to speak Tagalog and minister to people through the language of Tagalog, which you've never even, you don't know one single word. Doesn't that seem impossible? Does it? But with the Holy Spirit, nothing is impossible. And so what happens is the Holy Spirit comes upon these people. And, and the apostles, and they're speaking these languages like they should not know, right? And then all of a sudden, Peter's preaching this word, and he's getting deep, and he's, he's powerful. He's dropping it. People's hearts are breaking. They're convicted. He reminds me, he says, listen, y'all killed an innocent man. You know, that's terrible. None of y'all did anything. You, you, you committed this sin. Y'all, y'all, y'all let him die. He's innocent, blah, blah, blah. I said, but then he says, it's not the bad news. Here's the good news. He did get up, and he rose on the next day. I mean, you know, he, he's exalted. His name is exalted. He's preaching. He's going in and people are like, oh man, you convicted me. Okay, okay, we messed up. What can we do to fix that? How can we repair our sin? And here's what happens. You know, not everybody there was literally there, you know, when Jesus died. But y'all know there's three areas of sin, right? There's sin of commission. That means uh, you commit something, you, you do something, that kind of sin. And then there's a, the, the sin of omission. That's when you should have done something, but you didn't do it right? And, and, and then, 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 then there's another type of sin. There's a sin of permission. When you permit things to happen and you kind of turn the blind eye, none of y'all don't know nothing about that. I know this. I'm in the wrong room this morning, Corey. These are all saints in here. And as I, and as, and as I covered that ground, everybody in that, in that area was guilty of one of those sins, either a sin of commission, of omission, or permission. So they were all guilty, hearts broken, convicted. So, so they're like, okay, Peter, you got us on this one. How can we fix it? And Peter says, here, this is how you fix it. Repent. Repent. Repent of your sins, you know, and, and God will forgive you. So, so, so he walks them through the process of repentance. And here is what we're going to spend our time on. After he walks them through the process, and that's a sermon for another time, because I got to get that one in you too. But I really want to focus here because I have limited time. After he walks them through the process of repentance, they're in awe. And they're like, wow, this feels great. So what's next? And here's what happens next. Here's what happens next. If you have your Bible and send your notes, here's what happens next. Acts 2, 42, 47. All the believers, after all of this happened, they, they did repentance. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, not just on Sundays. Catch that, y'all. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day 
the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I searched high and low. I've read so many commentaries, and this is just me. I'm a know-it-all. I want to know everything. I'm just nosy. Please explain to me. So I, I literally was like, okay, God, make this come alive to me because I'm wondering here. What happened? I mean, did this like happen right away? Like, like, like the people that came for the festival, did they just say, you know what? We're not going back home, baby. This is it right here. Call, call the lawyer, call the realtor, tell them to sell that, that land, and we're just going to stay right here. Call the rest of the family, tell them to come here. What happened? Like, did they go back home and then come back? And I looked, and I, and I, and I read different commentary, and, 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 and I'll tell you what, what it all came down to. It appears, based upon all of my research and what I read from, from different scholars and stuff, that it happened instantaneously. It was like the Holy Spirit came alive in them. They, they were convicted of their sins. They repented. And, and then they began to do life together. Right there. And, and, any, and watch this. And even if... Even if I'm wrong somewhere in there and they did go home, they still that moment instantaneously made a commitment to do life with the person that they were there with that day. No matter what, I've got your back. I'll go home, do whatever. That day, the decision was made. It was instantaneous. All they added was water and it was holy water and it was instant and it happened right away. That's powerful. That's powerful. And, 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 and here, here's the amazing thing. Here's the amazing thing. Here's the amazing thing. thing. This is where the church was born. You know, Matthew 16, 18, if y'all, if y'all don't remember this, Jesus was talking to Peter, and he changed his name. He says, now, listen, I say that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus wasn't lying. He, he, he knew what he was doing. He told Peter, he says, listen, I'm going to build my church on you. Peter had no clue how. He had no idea what that meant. All he knew is I'm hanging out. I'm here for the ride. Whatever you need, I got you back. And then all of a sudden, they were in the upper room. The Holy Spirit came alive in him. He preached, and the church was born. And y'all are sitting in the school, but we are a church, and hell has not come against it yet. It may look like it. Statistics may say it's dying, but the church is still alive, and hell has not come against it. If I was in a Pentecostal church, I'd have some runners right here. What did the early church look like? This question is not about what they look like physically. It's not about what they were wearing. It's not about what nationality they, were, they, they, they came from. What did it look like? What were their behaviors? What were some of the things they did? And I'm going to spend a lot of time right here in Acts 42. What did the early church look like? Here's your first note if you're taking notes today. They were devoted to the apostles' teachings. They were devoted to the apostles' teachings. That word devoted is, is, is powerful. If you're married, you understand devotion. Uh, if you're a parent, you understand devotion. It's, 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 it's a step above 
just commitment. They were devoted. They were intentionally practicing and learning and studying and spending time with everything the apostles were teaching them. They were completely committed to learning everything about Jesus and his life and his ministry and all that he had taught them. They were committed to learning about the commandments that he had taught him. They were committed to just sitting and learning everything they could about this man called Jesus and how they could be a part of this thing called the way, which is now what we call church today or Christianity. They were devoted So devoted that they sold stuff. So devoted that they traveled to the other side or whatever to be with other people. So devoted that, listen, I'm going to pause. I'm not worrying about TV. I'm not worrying. Okay, that's y'all. I don't made it current. They were so devoted. They weren't worried about crops. They were so devoted. They weren't worrying about what I had to do. All they knew is that I need to sit at the feet of these apostles and learn everything they're saying because I firmly believe everything they're saying. I firmly believe that this man, Jesus, died an innocent death. I firmly believe that he he rose on the third day. I firmly believe that he is coming back. I firmly believe that he has forgiven me of all my sins. I firmly believe in his grace and mercy and that it is sufficient. I firmly believe in everything they're telling me. So I'm devoting myself to learning more and more and more so that I can be bigger, better, and stronger. I want to be a part of this. I want to share this. They were devoted to it. It wasn't just a regular commitment. It wasn't a calendar thing they did. They didn't put it on their calendar and sit there and say, you know what? I'm going to read the Bible for five minutes this morning, and then after that, I'm going to do my normal routine. That's not devotion. That's commitment. That's following and honoring your calendar. They were devoted to it meaning nothing got in the way of sitting at the feet of these apostles and learning and gleaning all that they could from them. It was a deeper type of of, of commitment, deeper than that. Here's what I want you to get. This is not the message to kind of beat anybody up. Okay, I got to say that because some of y'all leave here and be like, man, you was all in my business, pastor. And I really wasn't trying to be. I don't even know your business. But I just want to tell you this. Too many of us, and I say us, too many of us have been coming to church our entire lives. Coming to church our entire lives and we're still with this attitude of what we can get out of it. And we need to shift that thinking to not what we can get out of church, but what can I add to it? so that we can build up the kingdom of God. That's okay. You can clap to that. If you clap, and I know I wasn't talking to you. Too many of us have been coming to church our entire lives, and we're still on this, I'm not being fed. You got quiet in here. Hello, lights. I'm not being fed. I'm, uh, 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 that was a good message, but it didn't, work. It didn't resonate in my life. Uh, uh, I, will, I will come and do this, but I got that to do. I come to, you know, I miss worship because they're not singing my jam. Uh, that's not y'all. I get that. I get that. It's not y'all. It's your, your neighbor. 
It's all about what I can get, but not about what I can add. God never said I wanted you to come and get something. I want you to be I want I want you to learn and sit at the feet of these apostles, learn something and then add to what we're trying to do because what you got, listen, builds up the kingdom. One of the things we say in our growth track is everybody is a 10 and something. And here at Mosaic Church, in the body of Christ, God needs your 10. You need to take your 10 and apply it to build up the kingdom. It's not about you. You already got it. You get it. You understand scripture. Some of y'all can preach better than me. I know all of y'all can sing better than me. Y'all can't drum better than me. But you are a 10. And we need your 10 to build up this kingdom to attract more 10s. Are are y'all getting this this morning? And this is what, watch this. And this is what the early church got. What can I add to this? I don't have a whole lot of stuff, but if I sell my property, I think that, that, that I can help that person who don't have a lot so that they can continue to be a part of this thing that's growing, this movement, this thing called the way Christianity, the thing that, that hell can't prevail against. I'm going to take whatever I have, if it's my money, if it's my talent, if it's my resources, and I'm going to add to the mix so that it can get better, bigger, and stronger. Man, that's exciting to me. Where are my Pentecostal folk at? I know I got a few in here. It's okay to run. We ain't going to trip you. Here's the second thing I want to get into you. What did the early church look like? Well, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is real good. I love this. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to fellowship. Oh, man, that fellowship is deep. That means I got to schedule something else, add it to my calendar to do something else. Let me tell you about this word fellowship. It, 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 it's really an attempt. It's, it's, a, it's a genuine attempt at, at describing this Greek word called koinonia, koinonia. And, and, and koinonia is, is really, uh, we don't have a word to, to, to really define this Greek word. There is no English word that completely defines it because it, it, it encompasses so much. We don't have a, an English word that significantly uh, uh, explains what this word means. So, so, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you some, some definitions based upon my, my Bible and all of that stuff that I study with, right? So here's what, what a koinonia is. It means fellowship, association, community, communion, joint participation, cover the little one's ears, intercourse. All of those things describe koinonia. Now, listen, I don't want y'all to get weird. This ain't that type of party this morning. Amen. Ooh, I'm sweating. It means all of those things because it's all about an intimate, intentional relationship. If you notice, everything I said is intentional, intimate relationship. And this is why there is no single English word to describe this Greek word, koinonia. So when you, when, when, when you read this word in this particular text, it really is talking about an intimate, intentional relationship with people. So, so they were devoted to this, the devoted to, committed to just intimately getting in your face. How you doing, man? How's everything? It really, really? Not this, oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. I, I, I'll pray for you. 
and go about your business. Not this, not this, uh, let me go over there for an hour, even though I really don't, because I really don't want to, because I got this. No, 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 no. This was intentional. This was like, I want to lay next to you. I want to be with you. I want to eat with you every single day. I want to break bread with you. I want to be all up in your business, not to judge you, but to, to help you along the way. I want to know what your struggles are so that we can be praying together. I want to know what your strengths are so that we can work together. I want to know what you love because I want to love the same thing. And I'm not talking about your woman. We're talking brother to brother, sister to sister. It was intentional, devoted fellowship. It wasn't a calendar thing. It wasn't uh, 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 on Tuesday we're going to have men's group, on Wednesday. No, 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 no. It was more than that. It was a constant in your life, in your business, doing life together. That's such a, a Christian term. I promise you, it's such a Christian term. But that comes from this. They did life together every day. Every day. Here's what I know. And please, please, y'all, again, I'm, this is not a beat-up message. It's hot in here. I know we paid for the AC this month. Listen, raise your hand if you're not busy. Oh, we got some people that's actually not busy. All right, I expect to see y'all more. Y'all fell for that. Listen, can I be honest? Everybody's busy. We're busy doing something. Even if we're busy doing nothing, that's busy doing something. But we need to be intentional about spending quality time together as a community. Quality time. I've I've devoted myself this month to really just constantly reaching out to each and every one of you, just saying, hey, praying for you, love you. You know, how's everything? How can I play? I mean, just intentional. And, and, it's, and the reason I'm doing it, it's not because I'm trying to keep you here at this church. I really am not. I want to do this because I'm your pastor. I'm responsible for you. I want to know if there's a need you have, and, and if so, how can I meet it? I want to know how I can pray for you. I want to know that you're actually doing okay. Watch this. I want to know that you're alive. Because if I wait for Sunday morning to see you again, I don't know if you made it through the week. I'm being honest about that. And that's the same thing for any of you. If you wait to just Sunday morning to hang out and see your friends, whatever, you will never, ever build a relationship. Relationships are not built that way. Fellowship is how you build relationship. Oh, y'all getting this this morning? Y'all quiet. I must be really cutting deep. I'm sorry. Say ouch. That's all. And the thing is, we create space for fellowship here. We create tons of space. We got small groups. Right. We're having this family reunion. Just I just want to do that just so I can eat and laugh with y'all. Some of y'all have some great stories and funny jokes. But truth of the matter is, I'm trying to I want us to be that Acts church where we spend time together. Some y'all not. You know, I've had people from our church live with me. I'm, I'm serious about this Acts thing, y'all. And if y'all ever my, where my wife at? Oh, she's right there. I was just getting ready to volunteer the house again. We might disagree, but you can still come over, you know, spend the night maybe. (laughs) But seriously, we've got to be intentional about fellowship. You don't grow unless you know the person that you're doing the work of Christ with. Amen? Here's here's the third point. I got to get through these points real quick. Third point, they were devoted to breaking bread. I love this. It convicted the world out of me, but I love this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper. Watch this. The Lord's Supper 
during this time, and, and, and if you read Acts 20, you'll see it, happened weekly, like every week, the first day of the week, which would be Sunday in our case, they did the Lord's Supper without fail. It was regular. But the fact that the writer here separates this is they, they shared meals, including the Lord's Supper, tells me that they ate together often. I would imagine it was every single day they got together, had a meal together. Do y'all know that we did a survey recently? We asked some of you all to just kind of tell us about the things you, you love about the church and where we can grow and blah, 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 blah. Do y'all know what the number one thing that most people put? They love the fellowship. They love the fellowship. And the fellowship they were referring to is when we get together and eat, talk trash, laugh, do all of those fun things. And, 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 and here's what I'm trying to tell you all. Sunday, some of us are in such a rush. After we tear down, put stuff away, we're in such a rush to go home, do whatever else we got to do, prepare for Monday that we don't pause and say, you know what? I got to eat today anyway. Why don't we eat together? Why don't we eat together? And it was suggested that, you know what, Pastor, you should do this once a month with your team. And I'm like, well, we don't have enough money. We don't. I can't, I can't do this every, every month. Y'all, why don't we just do it? We're all going to eat anyway, right? Who didn't make Sunday dinner today? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But my wife didn't. Okay, we need somewhere to go. Who cooking? Huh? The old, listen, my wife, she's a PK. She grew up. They had supper at somebody's house every Sunday. Her mother never had to cook a meal. Anyway, I digress. Listen, what I'm trying to tell y'all. This needs to be intentional. You're going to eat anyway. Why not eat with your brothers and sisters? Get to know somebody you don't know. We're a small church, and I would say about 50% of y'all know each other. I guarantee that God is going to bless this space where every seat in this room is filled. By that time, it'll be too late to know that person that you started this mission with. Think about it. Think about it. Now's the time to be intentional. Breaking bread, having communion. Watch this. Communion don't have to happen just here in the church. I saw a sister, a good friend of mine, she's traveling right now, and she took her little travel cup with her, with her wafer and the juice. She took it with her on the plane. She's on the beach doing communion. You don't have to wait for pastor's instructions to honor God. You can do that. You all know the power of prayer. The prayer field is level. Jesus made sure that happened. They were devoted to breaking bread. Here's the fourth point. They were devoted to corporate prayer. Corporate prayer coming together. I would love to see a lot of you all with me early in the morning when we get here. Not for setup, but just I pray over every single seat in this room. Wherever you're sitting right now, I pray for you. I don't even know what your struggles are, but I pray for you. I don't even know if you have struggles. I don't even know what your concerns are. I pray for you. I pray for every single seat. Before we moved into the school, I did something really holy I've never done before. I like purchased a small bottle of olive oil. I prayed over it. I came in here and greased up every single seat. I've never done that. I was like, I'm, I'm really hoping that God does something supernatural here. If I'm going to get the oil, I got the oil out, y'all, and put a cross on every single seat. And it wasn't just to fill these seats with people. It was to pray for the students that sit in these seats more than you and I, students that are hungry, 
students that are struggling educationally, students that are below the poverty line in this community, students whose moms and dads are on drugs, students who are tempted to join gangs. I prayed over every single seat in this place, and I would love to have some of y'all join me any given Sunday in the morning in corporate prayer and help me pray over these seats and pray over our community and pray over this entire building. One of my biggest visions, and I want to do this, Corey, I'm I'm glad you're here because I'm I'm putting this out there. I've said it to some other pastors as well. I would love for us to get together and do a prayer walk where we pray over this entire city. I mean, literally, and it don't have to be together. It's like these five churches are on the west side of Mableton, and these four or five churches on the east side and the north side and the south side. We're just covering this entire ground and we're just walking in prayer. And I mean, the media comes on like, what is going on there? And I firmly believe then and only then can we start a major revival in Cobb County. I firmly believe it, y'all. That's a big vision of mine. And, and, and I'll pull it off uh, one day, I'm sure. I'm, I'm positive it'll happen because God doesn't give vision without provision. And I know that uh, we are in a season where more and more churches are, are working together to do amazing things for the community. Amen. Here's a, the fourth point I want to share with you all. I mean, the fifth point. Sorry about that. Well, actually, let me go back to the fourth point. I'm all over the place. I started thinking about that revival happening and got excited. It's just, you know, that's my heart. I talk about it often. Listen, y'all, when we come together in prayer, here's what happens. This is, this is good. Catch this. Prayer is the birth canal. It's the birth canal of the supernatural. It is the nexus of what is and what should be. Prayer is the place where human impotence and divine omnipotence intersect. I like the way that sounds. It's just so sweet to me. Prayer is when man, you and I, give earthly license for heavenly interruption. Prayer is when man, you and I, give earthly license for heavenly interruption. When we pray, we're saying, God, disrupt my flow and do what you need to do. When we pray, thy will be done, forget what my needs are, forget my schedule. What do you want me to do? Your will be done as it is in heaven. When we pray, we're saying, God, interrupt what is my normal flow so that I can patch in and get on your heavenly flow. This is the importance of corporate prayer. And they did this all the time. Here's the the other part I want to offer to you. If they didn't do this, hell could have prevailed against what we call the church. We wouldn't have this. We would probably be worshiping idols somewhere if they didn't devote themselves to corporate prayer. Amen. Here's my fifth point. Here's my fifth point. They were devoted to each other. They were devoted to each other. They were committed to each other. They were devoted so much so they sold their stuff and gave so nobody had a need. Now, I don't know if there are any landowners in the building today. If so, we'll talk afterward. But I don't think any of us would be so easy to just sell our land and say, you know what, I want to give all the proceeds of my money to Mosaic Church because I want to make sure that everybody here is taken care of. 
got quiet, so I must be telling the truth. I don't know if anybody has an endowment that, that, that they want to just go on ahead and bless the body of Christ with so that there is no need. These people, they may have thought about it, maybe even second-guessed themselves, but they went through with it. They didn't think about what they were losing. They were thinking about what they were gaining by sowing in to the kingdom of God. I'll preach that another time. They didn't think about, I'm losing money. I'm losing this property. I'm losing this possession. They thought about what I am going to receive that is greater than anything on earth because it's heavenly. It's an eternal blessing. It's not a temporary blessing that will fade away when I fade away and leave this earth. I wonder if we can have that same type of devotion. I think that's why God don't give me money because I want to give it away all the time because I know that there are greater things on the other side of blessing someone else. It always feels better. That scripture that says it's always better to give than to receive, man, that, that's true. It, it, it feels so much better to be a giver, but I like being on the receiving side, just for the record. Don't, don't take that back. I love that side too, but I feel good to be a giver because we're always givers. So to be a recipient, is, it's, it's, it's a great feeling, but giving is far more greater. It's, it blesses somebody else. And I say this time and time again, if you're the only one, if your family's the only one that's benefiting from what God has birthed into your system, then we need to change some things. Whatever God has given you, he's blessed you to be a blessing. You need to be blessing somebody else. You need to be doing something for somebody else with what he's given you. That's your talent, your time, and your resources. We, we'll, we'll preach about that another day. Here's a sixth point, and then we're going to wrap it, and our worship team can be ready. They were devoted to praise and worship. Watch this. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Not Sunday. Each day. Every day, er, a day for my St. Louis folks. They met in the homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, each day, every day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Do y'all see the, the, the equation? Y'all see how this works if, you, if you're a math person? right? We spend time together. We learn how to spend time together. We learn how to be just like Jesus. We learn about all that he did. We commit ourselves to doing that. We commit together to praying together. We commit to eating and hanging out together and being in each other's business. We commit to, 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 to doing a lot of stuff together. We commit to praising our God together. And if we do all of these things together, God adds to the number. That's simple math, y'all. There's a formula. It's a simple formula. We do these things together. We grow stronger. We grow more, more disciplined. We grow more focused. We grow bigger. And I'm not talking about Mosaic Church. I'm talking about the body of Christ here in America, which is dying. Which is dying. Because we've neglected these six simple steps. And if we do these things, just these simple six things, I firmly believe that God will add to our numbers daily.
Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor V said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.